0: Pull up five minutes before and just think of the customer, think of their home, and just truly be like, man, I, I love this customer. I'm so grateful. Gratitude is a beautiful thing as well. You put on that gratitude, that, that'll help you. So grateful to be in this home and to be able to serve this customer.
1: Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, waste no day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse to lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your host, Brian Burton in Nate Minutes. Welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your hosts, Nate and Brian, are joining you again and looking forward to a great episode today as we take a deep dive and an emotional journey into the word and definition that is known as empathy. That's right. We have a special guest joining us today, Mr. Taylor Owen. He is going to be talking about empathy in the context of sales and in-home sales uh, he'll be coming at it from the comfort, comfort advisor position, but we're going to have our dialogue and conversation expand way beyond that, I'm sure, into just the general concept of using empathy to deal with clients, to express care for clients, and how that positions yourself in a way to make revenue uh, in, in in the good way. So looking forward to a great conversation with him and uh, getting to know more about his life and experience. Before we do that, though, it is time for Brian and I to spend a little bit of time breaking it down for you ourselves, and we're going to turn to Brian to start us off with a great quote. When we honestly ask ourselves
2: which person in our lives means the most to us, we often find that it is those who, instead of giving advice, solutions, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and touch our wounds with a warm and tender hand. The friend who can be silent with us in a moment of despair or confusion, who can stay with us in an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing, not curing, not healing, and face with us the reality of our powerlessness. That is a friend who cares. Henry Nowen.
1: All right, Brian, you're going to start us off deep there. And uh, that seems appropriate for today's subject. So thank you for doing that.
2: And we're going to stay that way, too, because,
1: man, um, I mean, I, I got to
2: spend a few days with Taylor up in Pine Top and met him up there, had some good conversations. And then, uh, yeah, it was funny. I was hanging out with him, I don't know, probably a couple hours before he found out that uh, I was one of the hosts of the Waste No Day podcast. That lines and, up. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, sure does. (laughs) Turned out he was a big fan of the show. I had no idea who I was. Uh, Also, works for a guy who was on the show a couple years ago, Andrew Dobbins. Had no idea Andrew was
1: on the show. (laughs) Thanks (laughs) for the promotion, Dobbins. We appreciate (laughs) you, buddy. (laughs) I mean, I, I understand your feelings there, Brian. You know, I was at the grocery store the other day and the checkout lady, you know, she looked me in the eyes and never once did she ask. Am I that famous podcast host? Never right, once. Yeah, that, that unbelievable, ridiculous, ridiculous. Yes, yeah. It is. I would have stormed out, gone to I the did. grocery store down the road. I did. I took my dozen eggs and I stomped out of there. Like, get out of <laughs> here! I'm not, I'm not coming back here again. <laughs> nor Crazy. should you, sir. Nor should you.
2: Yeah, but uh, it was one. It's one story
1: that he told that just
2: grabbed me, and I'm just like, he was. He was just telling the story for whatever reason. It wasn't to like. I don't make an impression or anything. And he, he was just saying that this crazy thing happened. Um, and he'll tell the story shortly, I'm sure. Cause it's not the first thing I'm going to ask him to do, but this crazy coincidence just happened. And, and I'm like, no, it didn't happen. Taylor in his, in his just utter empathy happened to this story. And he brought about some miraculous things for a client by caring so much and just being the empathetic, uh, customer focused person that he is a servant, true servant. And I was touched by the story, just touched by this kid. And I was, I could not wait to get, I think I was texting you while I was sitting there with him, like, we got to get this guy on the show.
1: Yeah. And I I remember getting that text and you, uh, kind of briefed me on what that story is. And I'll be anxious to hear him, uh, deliver his version of it. Uh, you know, as, as he recalls from from living that experience and we'll be sure to ask him about that today. But our topic at hand is, is empathy. And this is one that, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to move a lot of podcasts. You know, this isn't going to be like a, Hey, how to sell $6 billion uh, by using one word. Um, this is a lifestyle. Unfortunately, (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's, it's a lifestyle, man. And it's something that, uh, whether you're in in in-home sales or whether you're in customer experience or, or whether you are, A human we could all use more empathy in our lives and we could all use more people who are empathetic in our lives and and i say that sincerely because uh, we have moved to such a a fast-paced uh self-centered you know likes and clicks and and all this other stuff and have really dissolved the human relationship experience to the degree that it's just, you know, X's and O's or ones and zeros on a computer screen somewhere. Uh, and and it it not only shortcuts so much, but it devalues what it means to be human. Uh, that if we don't actually get to experience the depth of pain and the joy and highlights of life with each other, it it is, uh, it's not as it is meant to be. You know, and there's an old adage out there that says like, <clears throat> you know, joy, joy, shared with somebody is doubled, but, but sorrow shared with somebody is halved. And, you know, while that may be old, I think it still holds quite a bit of water today. And how important it is to have empathy in our lives, both as one who is sharing and giving, as well as one who is receiving. Looking forward to having more about that conversation here with uh, Taylor in a minute, but it's now time for us to turn to Brian for that special time of the week when we highlight one of you great listeners out there in podcast land. Brian, who do we have on today?
2: Bear with me. This is going to be a long one.
1: Awesome podcast.
2: 5 stars. Great podcast for the trades. Homex Plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: like all of them? Like the That's entire a, company, Homex? I plumbing? would say so. Yeah, one letter each. Okay. All right. Well, we appreciate that HomeX Plumbing. Uh, it sure be nice if you'd have all of your employees uh, give an individual review next time, but hey, you know, we'll take it Maybe as they can. did. Maybe they did. <laughs> HomeX Plumbing employee yeah. of
2: one. Yeah, it's just it's just Jim and his pickup. We hey, appreciate you HomeX Plumbing and uh, however many people are at the on the team there, we, we appreciate all of you. And we appreciate everybody who takes the time to Do anything for the show. There's not a lot you can do for the show. We don't have like Patreon and we don't ask you to donate anything and we don't have anything to sell. Uh, There's no t-shirts or hats to buy. Probably unfortunately, because I get asked that all the freaking time where they can go buy hats and t-shirts. But
1: I'll tell you what, that takes work. And Nate and I are pretty lazy, so that's probably not going to happen. We are fundraising for the uh, the uh, new charity that is by Nate, a Corvette fund. Uh, it is, it's in development, so if you're interested in supporting, <laughs> oh, please I'm send your donations to the show. I just want to see Nate tooling around in a vet. I might write a check
2: for that, too. <laughs> but that uh, awesome. of all the things we don't ask for, the one thing we do ask for is that you share the show and write us a review. And if you're not in the Waste No Day Facebook group, get in the Waste No Day Facebook group because we we're do. we starting to do a lot in there in terms of like overcoming objections and stuff like that. So I'd love to see you in there. If you're in there, invite some people that you think could benefit. But uh, if you don't want to do any of the work, nothing, just kind of sit on
1: your hands and take in the knowledge. We appreciate you loaning us your ears for an hour a week. Yeah, and if nothing else, join the Facebook group just to see Brian and I insult each other on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, nothing better than the comments section Mm -hmm. and some popcorn. Memes and GIFs made, uh, (laughs) yeah, some pretty good stuff in there. Well, I tell you what, there's going to be some pretty good stuff on today's show. And it's time now for us to put Mr. Taylor Owen in your passenger seat. Our guest today is Taylor Owen. He's originally from Nashville, Tennessee. He started in HVAC in 2016 in Tucson and started off as an owner's assistant. Uh, He was there for a year with Andrew Dobbins, who is also a former guest on the podcast, doing all the grunt work as well as learning sales and HVAC, both of which was new to him. Over the course of the years and developing his skill set, he did a million in revenue during his first year of sales and grew that to three and a half million revenue as his top year. Uh, he is one who serves with love and compassion. He is a servant at heart and definitely demonstrates empathy. And we're looking forward to talking about that with him. Welcome to the show, Taylor.
0: Hey, how's it going, Nate? Pleasure Doing to be good. here. Yeah, man. Super, super awesome. Appreciate it. Pleasure invite. to see
2: you again, my friend. Uh Taylor and I by happenstance got to hang out at uh our mutual friend and Taylor's boss uh, Andrew Dobbins uh what do you call it vacation home up in Pine Top Yeah yeah you could say that That was a that was a fun weekend and it got more fun when uh I don't even know if you know what happened when we left like, uh, he
0: does. He does because I remember listening to it and he got stuck in a snowstorm and oh, right, right. And I was like, Oh yes. yeah, I knew Brian That was the I,
1: uh <laughs> that was that fateful that fateful day where somehow <laughs> Brian managed to both live in the desert and get stuck in a snowstorm.
2: Yeah, Taylor yeah. listened to the episode like
0: I was with him <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I'll vouch for him. I'll vouch for him.
1: Yeah, we uh
2: <laughs> they were Andrew was like I don't know man you guys might want to just wake this one out and I'm like no we gotta we gotta head out you know we gotta get down the mountain because he's like it's an hour and a half and no matter what storms come they're gone like you're in the desert right. so I'm like all right we're rolling uh well we left super late because my two youngest were sick and man we got out and I got a four-wheel drive Highlander like this is please you call this snow are you guys kidding me out here in Arizona uh no big deal whatsoever the problem is All of the other Arizona drivers who were in rear wheel drive sedans (laughs) did not know how to drive in snow. And like, we're just looking up this hill on whatever street and cars are just sliding backwards and they just closed. They're just like, we're done. Everybody go home, find somewhere to go. (laughs) And we just, and we couldn't go anywhere. Like we're just stuck on the road. So we just pulled into a Best Western, I think it was, and called it a night, man. Got, and I got sick and (laughs) it it was a train wreck.
1: You, yeah. you made it You made it home, though, didn't you, Taylor? You made it home.
0: No, actually, I didn't because I was one of those Taylor, drivers. Taylor, I don't Arizona think you understand.
1: You're, you're not understanding <laughs> the conversation here. You yes, made it yes, home. Yes, I made it, yeah, I made it home no. in,
0: a, in a Miata, actually. The Miata. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> you, threw, you
1: threw those four tires on your back and just hiked down. That's so what you no, did. That is correct. We need some Jesse Cloud up in here to talk to Brian about accountability because you know, that's, that's absolute <laughs> nonsense that he had to find a best Western in the middle of an Arizona snowstorm. Yeah. Just best listen to was, that statement. Best Arizona was probably snowstorm. a stretch
2: too. I would, I would call this one a Western. The, uh, <laughs> the uh, gym was under construction and the uh, restaurant inside was closed. So oh, there was gosh. no food and you couldn't like, they were under like some kind of state of emergency. You couldn't even go get like, Grub and
1: it was, it was it was not fun it was not fun <laughs> well enough of uh, enough of that story meanwhile there, it was 68
2: <laughs> degrees and sunny at my house three hours away so I'm yeah much right rather, that's, I'd much rather be home yeah that's the crazy thing that is the crazy
1: thing well taylor we're looking forward to a great conversation with you today and as always if you're a fan of the show and you listen to you understand that we like to introduce our guests or have them introduce themselves uh, so why don't you give us your background how'd you get into the trades uh, what's your journey been like and what are you doing now?
0: Yeah, man, it's actually a, kind of a crazy story. So I was doing ministry work in New Orleans, about to go to uh, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, literally on the campus, uh, did the Sally May. I'm ready to go, I'm going to take this ministry um, path, uh, and then I heard about uh, my boss, Andrew Dobbins, his wife runs um, uh, it's an assembly program that basically we travel the nation, go into schools, we give the kids a message of hope by using our real life testimonies, but portrayed through the arts in a really awesome assembly with like a hundred grand worth of sounding lighting, sound and lighting. Um, and then after after that, I ended up here in uh, Arizona in Tucson, which is where the home base was. And I kid you not, I was like, I am never moving here. It is way too hot. Because it was, it was summertime. It was after school, right? And so it's just miserably hot. And um, just to be real with you, I prayed and I opened my word and I asked God to lead me. And I kid you not, uh, he, he leads me to Hosea chapter 2, where it, it's called Rebuke and Rebuild. So he starts off Rebuke and Rebuke. And, and I'm like, Lord, you know, I know, man, I know, but I've turned my ways. And then all of a sudden it flips to rebuild the first verse and the rebuild says, then I will lead you into the desert and I will speak tenderly to you, start rebuilding your, and then it just started going. I was like, so it Lord. kind of took and that literally to
1: with Arizona no leading you into the joke. desert. <laughs> no
0: joke. And I was like, all right, Lord. So then I go to Andrew, uh, my boss from intelligent design. I say, Hey man, and, you know, he's a he's a godly man as well. Like, I feel like I'm being led to stay here. Do you have work for me? And I thought I'd be doing install work because uh, I have no experience in any of this. Um, and he looked at me very strangely and said, no, man. He goes, I mean, if you want to, you can. But I'd like for you to be in sales. And so that's where my journey started. I was his assistant for a little over a year. And, um, I know he was on the podcast before. This man is, I mean, if you can be under anyone, I'm just blessed to have been under this man. He taught me everything everything HVAC and, and, uh, everything sales that I knew. Uh, after that, I jump into, uh, the process. Um, jump in there. I sold my first deal and it went on from there. In between that, there's actually a pretty crazy story. I did, I did decent, but then I had a just, a couple of weeks where I was doing horrible. I was losing every single deal. You know, when you lose one, it just you can kind of get stuck in that rut. So I was stuck in that rut, not even knowing it. Um, Andrew was praying himself and was like, Lord, if if Taylor's supposed to be in this position, you know, let him sell the next three deals. Simultaneously, I'm praying and I say, God, give me excuse me, give me five. Ended up get like 12 or 13 in a row. Whoa! And uh, it was pretty fantastic. And from there, I didn't look back. It just slowly grew from about a million my first year up to three and a half million two years ago. Last year was bad, not because the trades were bad, which that also had a uh, or, or HVAC at least was a little more challenging. Uh, I was injured. I was sick. I had a concussion, so I literally missed out on almost the whole summer this year. So look, looking forward to next year and, and or this year and grinding it out.
1: How long have you actually been in the trades? Is it I about four years? So, seven seven years. years? Seven years. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. Seven years. Six years in sales, seven years in HVAC.
1: Yeah. Okay. Excellent. And uh, have you ever, I don't know if you've you've done any of the technical work or you've done the ride-alongs? So mostly exactly. just in the sales function. Okay. Fantastic. Yep. yep. And of course, uh, as, as you've developed that skill set, you know, you've had your fair share of conversations, which I'm sure are totally in the hundreds, if not working on thousands at this point dealing with uh, homeowners in distress situations, homeowners who are proactive, homeowners who unfortunately have to be reactive. And there's so much that is dynamic about that conversation. And so we're looking forward to having a good conversation with you today about the dynamic of sales in general, whether it's about HVAC or literally any other product that you're talking about and how you're positioning yourself, empathizing with their scenario. Right. Mm -hmm. So I want to start there. And Taylor, if you'd be kind enough for us to describe or define, if you will, empathy.
0: Hmm. Man, really putting yourself in their shoes and understanding their situation and where they're coming from, you know, in the sales position, we can get real selfish and, you know, it's all about the deal. It's all about the sale. It's all about my pocketbook. Um, but really, um, getting to know and understand the customer and where they're at and you know showing them love
1: yeah and and so when you talk about this uh, are, are you thinking things like uh, oh man I really feel bad for for Johnny you know things this is, this is a tough thing he's dealing with right now I, ju- I just feel for him like is that what you mean when you say empathy
0: No not necessarily because I kind of go into it look you need an air conditioner so we got to figure something out. Right. So, yes, it sucks, but we got to figure out how to get you this air conditioner, whatever it may be, um, the easiest and simple and smooth way as possible. So, no, it's not like that. It's more like, man, I feel, I feel bad for this guy. Um, I understand the situation, but I'm, I'm here to help him. So, I want to be the, the helper. I want to, I want to help you, uh, get what you want. Um, yeah. I, did I explain that? I don't know if I did that too well there.
1: Yeah. I think sometimes, you know, we, we get confused with empathy and sympathy, right. And, you know, there's, I, there's definitely a defining line there, um, in, in doing a little bit of research on that myself, you know, sympathy is like the detachment disorder piece where, oh yeah, you know, like you read in the paper that three people died in a car accident You're like, wow, that, that really sucks. Like that's, uh, you know, that must be very difficult for those families. And then you like kind of move on with your day and like you segment that out into a completely different box. Yes, you feel bad about it existing, um, but it doesn't necessarily emotionally affect you. Mm. Whereas empathy, you're actually positioning yourself in, in the shoes of those parents, in the shoes of those children, in the shoes of those friends and family. And like, you're trying to actually relate to all the things that they are ongoing and this isn't to position yourself in this uh this this light where you're like hey you know I had a friend die once too and that was really difficult because that can really come off as callous and cold because your your situation your experience is not necessarily those now you might be able to relate to it in different ways and I'm sure we can touch on that as we get into into the conversation but empathy is the removal of of my selfish my prideful feelings and thinking that i know how you are feeling and it's me giving up my ways to attempt to understand your ways your thought process your emotions your feelings the impact of everything that is going on in your life and then to take it to the next level is my ability to cater and 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 curate my response to their feelings, based upon my new understanding of their position, so that's man. a fairly in-depth way of explaining, yeah. as I would see it, empathy. But I mean, that's that's really what we're talking about, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's my su- southern education there. Uh, given, <laughs> given, I call the T O T O version uh, there, but yeah, that's that's exactly right, man. That is that is very
1: well good, well said. So and and really as as uh you know, if you're a listener out there listening to this, this conversation is going to be far more than just about a comfort advisor in a home selling HVAC system. Here, here. E- empathy is going to be a unilateral approach no matter what you are doing. I don't care if you're talking about garage doors, I don't care if you're talking about open heart surgery, I don't care if you're talking about a, a leaking uh leaking pipe in the basement, right? In you're, in our world, an, it's empathy. An, an
2: argument with your spouse, your kid has bad grades, your uh,
1: your son didn't take yeah. the trash
2: out, like whatever it is. If, you, if if we decide I'm going to pluck these eyes out and I'm going to mm. switch them to the other side of the conversation and see through his or her brain and yeah. understand why this happened and understand why he or she is coming at me like this, it, it's going to change the conversation.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, it's and <laughs> just on that. It's so much uh, easier to do it with a customer than it is, in your At own home.
2: home oh yeah
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah buddy mm-hmm. you know you, yeah. you know
2: if you're if you're smart and it's a lot easier to do it with the customer you're not bringing too much of your own ego into play there because it's not your friend and right. you should be getting your needs met either by way of service to the client or if you're with a you know and it happens a total prick client then that I I know I'm not seeing eye to eye with, and I can't wait to leave, then on the other hand, I'm going to go, all right, or well, I'm going to at least make my paycheck here, you know? Right, so right. But exactly. my needs, my emotional needs, I'm going to leave those in the truck. I'm here to for a payday. Uh, but if you bring your ego in with the client, you know you're doing it because you're not getting any sales, right? right? And you're not making any friends. But at home, man, so much harder to think that way. It is, it is. So before we... Nate's chomping at the bit to dive head first in. There was a reason that we were sitting on the, the couches in the uh six thousand square foot living room of <laughs> Andrew's place up in Pine Town. Mm-hmm. That living room's ridiculous. Uh we were all sitting on these couches in there and what what were those things that the kids were all petting like flying uh, squirrel flying things? Flying
0: squirrels, yeah. I forget what they're called. Yeah, the little flying squirrels.
2: <laughs> yeah, these things were were pretty gnarly. Uh and we were We were just telling stories and Taylor said, oh, you work or worked with one hour. I used to work at a one hour. I actually have a kind of a famous story about working there. And I'm like, oh, what is it? And I actually verified this story and verified that he worked there with Mario Martinez, who was on the show just this past. Uh, My
1: man, Mario.
0: Yeah, I love him.
2: Uh, Just this past summer, he was on and it was a great, very, very heavily downloaded episode. Um and yeah, as soon as I I just sent him a pic of me and Taylor saying what's up and he was like, "Oh man, that dude is freaking awesome, bro. You're so lucky to hang out with him." Um wow. but yeah, he, he so you're telling me the story, I immediately just stopped and was like, "Dude, we got to get you on waste no day." And mm-hmm. and off we went from there. So I was wondering if you might start with that story because it's such a it's such a story of to me empathy where he gets this news about the client and it would be very easy to pack up and say, I got to get out of here because this isn't going anywhere versus what he actually does, which I'll, I'll let you tell the story. But it's a it really is a uh, a uh, playbook of dealing with people with empathy. And it turns out it paid dividends in the end. Go yeah, ahead. buddy. Yeah, man,
0: it it, it was pretty fantastic. So. Um, part of that story I didn't uh, mention to you guys. I went to Florida for about four months. I'll just say happy wife, happy life. <laughs> but we ended up coming back. And in those, in those four months, uh, we were living in Tampa. And that's where I worked for the one hour. But yeah, so I was running all these calls. I walk into this home. It was a normal home. And I meet a normal guy. And I'm going through a, just a normal old process. But then uh, just through asking him questions, you could tell that he was super, super heavy. And, you know, this situation, a lot of people are heavy when you walk in, you know, because they got to spend all this money that they don't have. Um, and so you always have that. But then I started noticing even more. Uh, we run his credit. His credit's done. He, he doesn't have any credit. I'm calling um, uh, my manager asking, hey, man, what's the best that we can do for this guy? this is when he starts, you know, spilling everything out. He, uh, tells me that it's just him and his son in the house. His wife had just left him for some guy that just got out of prison and literally just left a day or two before, uh, this situation. And, uh, in between that time, he, he, she had ruined his credit supposedly. And, um, so I'm sitting there again feeling super bad for this guy. I meet the, meet the little uh, little guy and um, end up saying, man, you know, there's, there's really nothing I can do, but um, do you mind if I pray for you? And he kind of looks at me strange, obviously. And um, so he, he said, yeah, I end up praying for the guy and, uh, you know, just, just praying that everything would work out. Well, I end up leaving that call. You know, going feel, feeling you know sad for the guy. There's nothing I could do, so just went to the next one. Start talking to people. Um, end up going through this process with this guy and showing him the price. And the guy's like, "Man, how do people afford this?" And I go, "Yeah, you know, it's it's actually really rough. Even earlier today, I had a customer who couldn't, you know, couldn't get uh, approved, and so he, there's nothing he can do. And um, the guy felt bad. Guy ends up buying the system from me." I go back home. I get a phone call from the customer, and he says, "Hey, um, you know that guy that um, you you were talking about over here? I want to buy him an air conditioning system." I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, I want to I want to buy him an AC." He's like, "Not not a super nice one like I got, but I want to make sure that he's taken care of." And so I don't even know how to deal with this. Can this even happen? Like, what's going on? So I call my manager, um, and he, he does the same thing. He's like, no, no, we can't let him do that. We can't let him do that. Well, I end up going through. He, um, he ended up buying the system for the guy or said he was. And so I ended up calling him the next morning. I said, hey, man, how are you doing? He's like, man, I'm you know, the best I can. I'm I'm here. I got my TV. I got my couches. I'm trying to sell all of this so I can you know get this air conditioning system. And I'm like, man, again, feeling it again. I asked him, hey, man, do you – do you believe in the power of prayer? And he's like, "Oh man, I don't, I don't know, man." And I said, well, do you remember my prayer for you?" And he's like, "Yeah, of course, of course, it touched me." And I go, "Well, I got another customer. He wants to buy an air conditioning, uh, air conditioner for you." And as you can imagine, he at first he's just like, "What? No, no, no!" And then when it hits him, bam! Just sobbing, and I'm sobbing like a baby too. You know, empathy is kind of natural for me. I'm a, I'm a softy. Uh, He's he's bawling crying and end up getting him an air conditioner. I, I drive over there. I got this amazing picture, Brian, I'll have to find it and send it to you. But I got this amazing picture with me next to him and we're both just sobbing. I'm in my one hour gear and my arm around him. Like we couldn't keep it together for the picture. We were trying. But um yeah, man, that was that was one of the more memorable um stories that I have in showing love and empathy.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. What what an amazing uh Scenario there in in so many different ways, and appreciate you being open and and willing to be used in that manner uh, as a really unique unique part of that story. And so as we as we dive into this topic on empathy, I want to start off with something that's maybe a little bit counterintuitive, and that's my personal mindset when I am just going about my day. Right. So, walk us through. The most challenging times, or emotions, or personal feelings that we deal with that prohibit us from properly empathizing with others.
0: Selfishness.
1: Okay, d- dig into that. You like know, pride and yes. selfishness.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we, we all we all have our um, you know we all have our lives, and especially when you're doing a job, you have a job to do, and that's to walk in and and sell an air conditioning system. Um, And if we get wrapped up in ourselves, um, uh, one, it ends up long-term not not being good for you, but um, the selfishness keeps you from being able to see others uh, and see others and what they're going through and uh, to be able to empathize with them.
1: So, I mean, just kind of a basic question here, but how does one recognize if I am being selfish? you know, cause there's certainly different levels of that. I mean, we have like movie star selfish and then we have like Brian Burton selfish and then we have like most of the rest (laughs) of the world selfish, you know, how, how do we identify like, you know, am I, am I too selfish? Am I like a five on the scale out of 10? You know, how do we even know where that is positionally?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, what are you thinking about daily? You know, are you thinking about yourself? Are you thinking about others? Um also, you know, what helps me is, is God's word. Um, you know, it's all about being selfless. And so just having that mindset for me, um, it really helps me just being a believer and knowing that my life isn't about me. And I would say if you were to look at where your money is going, if you were to look at where your time, your calendar is going, that will tell you um if you're being selfish hmm. or not for sure. Mm, Okay.
1: And so we do that self-examination and, you know, obviously there's a, there's a selfish lifestyle that can exist, but even selfish moments and, you know, specifically, Brian, you mentioned about how difficult it is to demonstrate empathy at home. And I think that's because at home, we typically let our guard down, right? Like we're not trying to be somebody else. We're not trying to impress anybody. We're not trying to politic or anything like that. It's just kind of the raw us and it's so often in those situations that we find ourselves being self-centered and self-focused and that's where that's where empathy breaks down, right? And, and now we don't care about our wife's bad day and you know how the kids were going crazy and how the school called and, and she had to do this and all that stuff because we're thinking about my bad day and you wouldn't believe the conversation that I had to have with somebody and, and we flip that inside. So how do we deal with those things in a practical way when we actually do go to work you know, do, do we have to practice this compartmentalization where like, hey, you know, for the next hour and a half, I just have to set aside all emotion about me so that I can focus on the person in front of me? Is there some type of magical trick that you've developed uh, to be able to just alleviate all these these wrong or self-centered emotions that are that are you know, plaguing us or or is there something that you do to navigate through all that in real time so that you can be focused on the client?
0: Yeah. Great, great question. Um, I, when I first got into sales, I listened to Zig Ziglar and he told me the Norwegian word for salesman is servant. Mm -hmm. And I'm blessed to just have a servant's heart. So it's not really like something I have to switch or tell myself. It's just a lifestyle as well as again, just natural. I think I was just born with it. Um, But before I uh, walk into a customer's house, I am telling myself, I love this customer. I love this customer. I even say their name. Uh, And then before I walk in, I repeat several times, I got this uh, part of it from Gene Slade, but everyone loves me, everyone trusts me, and everyone buys Mm -hmm. from me. And so I think between all of those, that's preparing my heart to go in here and serve. Uh, But yeah, I don't don't have like a switch uh, where I I flip or I do things. It's just, man, I love people. I want to help people. And I just so happen to be in air conditioning.
1: Yeah, so, I mean. You said that you're kind of naturally servant-oriented, uh, you know, from a personality standpoint or just your your natural bent, right? Um, not all of us are gifted with that uh, particular set of skills from a natural standpoint. Is empathy empathy something that you can train or develop? And if so, how do we do that? Because, you know, some people's definition of empathy is, yeah, life sucks, get on, you know, pull up your pants and get moving. Like, that's empathetic to them. Oh, wow, I really, you know, I really felt sincerely concerned about your your feelings, as I told you to get out of my way because you're in the road, right? (laughs) Like that's empathy. So how can we even learn or or can we even learn to become more empathetic? And and if so, what does that look like?
0: Man, that
1: is a beautiful
0: question. My initial reaction wants to say, no, you can't really train that. It's got to be a heart change. Um, And that may be my, you know, my, my Christian background, but I don't see how someone can train themselves. But I guess, I mean, you can rewire your brain. I don't know if you ever read psycho cybernetics. So I'm sure if you just tell yourself, you know, uh, at night, you know, and you just kind of rewire the brain, maybe. But I truly believe you got to have a heart change.
1: Yeah. And and I, I agree with you uh, from a fundamental, like, you know, the truest version of that type of conversion would be based upon the heart. Uh, And yet that's, you know, I also don't want to turn off the listener who's like, dude, I, I, you just gave me no hope. Like you're saying, (laughs) if I I don't got it, I can't get it. So is there, is there, there, is is there There elements of it that I can practice in? You know, can I, can I learn the right way of saying things or can I ask the right questions or demonstrate the right tone or can I practice active listening or, or any of these other things that you hear about? And, and, you know, when it comes to empathy, can I do those things and at least appear empathetic or, or is that false uh, narrative already uh, remove me from the qualities of empathy inherently?
0: No, I don't, I don't think so. Honestly, I think, if you do what I actually do, which is say, you know, I love this customer and just sit there. Pull up five minutes before and just think of the customer, think of their home and just truly be like, man, I, I love this customer. I'm so grateful. Gratitude is a beautiful thing as well. You put on that gratitude that that'll help you. So grateful to be in this home to be able to serve this customers I think using those words if you if you continuously do that it you will have a natural sense of at least going through the process with empathy and love um so yeah I don't think there's no hope hope in that uh, you you definitely can what do they say fake it yeah. till you make it but that that's kind of not true too you do you will start to become you know what you start to repeat and then also the people you know you hang around if you're hanging around the salesmen that are all like You know, we know how salesmen can be, you know, don't, don't be in that circle, be on the, be in a circle and surround yourself with people who actually care and, 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 you know, want to take care of the customer in the best way.
2: Be surprised how easy it is to find. If you just look, I mean, the trades are full of it.
0: And
1: and that's a great.
0: I mean, we are in a servant position. This is we are, like I said, Norwegian word for salesman is servant. You are serving the customer, and then it happens to benefit you, right? But you don't go in thinking, "Man, how how much am I going to make?" No, it's, you know, I want to help this customer.
1: And so I want to dig in that to to that even a little bit farther. And you know, bear with me here, listener, as we're really exploring this fairly in depth. You know, I, I think it's generally easy for people to empathize in the worst of times right you know you walk into that home and there's six inches of sewage in the basement you know, the, like it's not hard to be like wow mm-hmm. this sucks you know not only do it's it sucks for me because I have to go get in this for you but this sucks as a homeowner right. because you know you can just imagine they're they're like crying and like you can easily transition yourself into a fairly empathetic state of mind even the most calloused of tradesmen would be like, okay, I get it. This is a really bad day, right? Uh, or, you know, it's, it's 125 degrees and snowing somehow at the same time in your climate. And, and somehow you position yourself in a way that you understand this is very challenging. Or, or, you know, like you have family coming in and there's this party and like all these other scenarios that are real world things that do happen, but they don't happen every day. And they don't happen with great regularity to the degree that we are constantly put in these emotional distressing situations. So how do we practice empathy when the natural promptings, like the the heart-tugging, tear-jerking, emotional stories are blatantly in front of our face and our ears, and yet we still need to somehow demonstrate empathy To that client who, you know, just woke up today and and wasn't necessarily expecting to have to deal with whatever this maybe minor inconvenience is. How do we do that?
0: Yeah, I mean, if you understand uh, that 98% of all Americans don't even have $1,000 in their bank account, (laughs) And just understanding that there's empathy there. Most people can't afford what you are trying to sell them, and so automatically that's going to cause stress and and those things. So just knowing that most people can't afford what I'm offering, and so you you have to be sympathetic no matter. Yeah, if I walk into a medium-sized home or a trailer home, whatever, I know that they're, they're not. They, most people don't have this money to spend on this air conditioning system. I'm already in empathy, just just understanding
1: that. Yeah, and and as we was we're like kind of digging into that, and maybe this is complicating it beyond what it's intended to be. But are there are there buckets of empathy that we kind of can focus on? You know, for example, like is there a familial? context? Is there a financial context? Is there a situational context? Is there a calendar context? And like, do you find yourselves generally ending up in one of these buckets when it comes to empathy? And like, you know, there's a there's a family situation that's really difficult or there's a financial situation that's really stressing or, you know, there's a an event that's coming up on their calendar that's really going to uh, make today's situation even harder. Like, do you find yourselves kind of ending up in the same places, or or is this so dynamic that you're never quite sure where it goes?
0: I mean, it's, pre- it's pretty dynamic, but it also, I mean, once you've been doing it long enough, it all kind of seems similar. Uh, but yeah, it could be any of those. So yeah, I find myself in all of them. And again, being just naturally sim- empathetic to people, Um, I I will gravitate towards those things just because, again, the servant heart and wanting to take care of them.
1: Yeah. and, And part of that, you know, Taylor, as we're looking at this is where are these promptings coming from? Right. Are you the type of like Sherlock Holmes who's asking these super inquisitive questions and like, you know, you're very diabolical and asking a question and and you you entrap the witness in something that they weren't even expecting to like. To you know, divulge to you and all this secret information, or are you like this incredible listener and observer who picks up on these things that aren't necessarily spoken uh, verbally, but are contextually based? Or you saw something in the home, or you read body language, or is it this combination of both of these things? Like, if you're training me and it's my first day on the job, and you know I came from. Uh, uh, Brian, what's a super hard trade that you're familiar with prison. Okay. I came from prison, right? And so I have, (laughs) I have no, like no concept of empathy right now. And Taylor, you were tasked with training me on how to even observe the things that I should even be paying attention to. Are you going to start with telling me, Hey man, make sure you ask these questions. Are you going to start with, Hey man, keep your eyes open, keep your your ears open or something else? Where, where would you tell me to go?
0: Yeah, I'm actually horrible at observing. That's something that I, I have to train myself in. It's usually through conversation, you know. I, I one of the first things I want to do is sit down and I want to get to know the customer, you know. And they won't they won't come out with stuff immediately. Obviously, yeah, some some do. I, I've literally walked into home and within a couple minutes, I had her crying on my shoulder. Uh, so that that does happen too. But yeah, it's usually through conversation. Just asking your basic questions that not not to. Um, uh, not to be a therapist, but I'm trying to figure out how to close this deal. I mean that's that's how – why I'm asking the questions. But then throughout those questions, they start throwing these little uh, balloons, right, and then I'll pick up on those, and at some point in the process, it, it can come out and – that's kind of where, so how
1: do you even know what strings to tug at? Right. I mean, you know, to quote the great Weezer, hold on to this string as I walk away, you know, like, and my sweater will unravel. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you know which string to pull upon? Um, and and like, how do you know where your boundaries are? Because, you know, for some people, like they'll just keep asking questions and asking questions and they'll wind up like making the client feel even more uncomfortable because it's like, dude, like, you know, read the room, man. Uh, I'm not looking forward to talking to about this while other people like they just need that listening ear. And all you have to do is say like, Hey, tell me more about that. And like, they'll just go. So how do I even know like where to focus my attention? Because I mean, humans are dynamic and there's a thousand things going on at the same time. And, and what are, what things are relevant or irrelevant to the conversation at hand, which is, you know, your HVAC plumbing electrical system. It depends on, uh, you know,
0: how, how much you're comfortable in going into those questions you know um, or, or to those conversations i'll tell you the questions are just again hvac questions you know how long are you living in the home well you know my daughter just died and so we're trying to sell the home well hello there, there's something right there you know so it's it's not necessarily through interrogation it's just asking the, the simple questions and for me i'm open to anything if they bring it up to me I mean that that tells me that they're open to it and um, you know if if they're open I, again my, my obviously my job is to sell an air conditioning system but in that moment I'll shut everything off and go straight to that um, because in my opinion if I don't sell an air conditioner that that's cool you know a few hundred few thousand dollars off of my paycheck but if I change this person's life uh, by by showing them just massive empathy in this moment from a stranger uh, that affects people, you know, when people aren't selfish, you know, cause the world, the world, unfortunately majority of us are selfish and and me too. Obviously I have moments where I'm selfish, but uh, when, when a complete stranger shuts everything down and gives you that ear um, I think that that allows people to be more open. And again, I'm comfortable with going to any, any, any conversation. So
1: I think you mentioned something there that's rather profound Taylor. and, And that is the, the, You have shifted the focus away from the sale as the primary objective and towards the client and solving their concern, making their day better, fixing their problem, whatever it is, as the actual primary objective. The HVAC unit, the plumbing system, the electrical wiring, that is simply a vehicle that you drive between current situation and final situation. And so when you put that focus on, on the client, like inherently you have removed your selfish nature, which is, I got to get this sale from the conversation. You've removed your politicking of, you know, how can I strategically get them to say yes to this thing? And you've just focused on them. I mean, how stupidly simple what incredibly difficult is it to do that
0: yeah yeah I mean for most people I'm sure it would be um, I'm blessed to have uh, a boss that allows me to go to go in that direction with customers you know if I call him and say hey man I didn't get the deal but I got to pray for this guy he' would be like <laughs> yeah man what happened you know t- tell me about it you know where most people are like dude I don't give a damn if you you know, did I, did you get the sale? You know, um, so I'm blessed to be able to have a boss that would love all of his, uh, project managers to, to do right.
1: that. So, I mean, is there a weak side to empathy, right? I mean, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, getting pushed around or, or, you know, the, the general stereotypical empathy or empath is, uh, is soft. You mentioned that you're kind of a softy. you know, you, you uh, you're tenderhearted, you're emotional, you know, you are, uh, you're quick to cry and all these things is, is this Oh, I say all. Of that. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. No, I mean, that was, was me. Saying. I said that. So is, is there a weak side to empathy that we need to guard against, or is that actually something that we need to embrace? How do you draw the line on that?
0: Man? Yeah. And you, you painted it beautifully, the sympathy and empathy in the beginning you can easily bleed in, into one another. Um, I would say it depends on what your goal is, right? Um, I can definitely tell you that um, I am empathetic, but I also, in my opinion, I know what's best for this customer. And so I'll also give that that push. So yeah, I think if you're super empathetic and you know you leave without even trying to to get them what they want, uh, I think that's wrong because I know what they want. I know we're the best for that situation
2: yeah the 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 and the weak quote unquote, the weaker side of that empathy where people go too far is they, they get so comfortable in the other person's shoes that they have an utter inability to ruffle feathers or stand somebody up or call somebody on their BS, which, which exists whether, no matter how much you like a person, you, there will be a time when you're going to have to stand them up and maybe call them out on something that's not real, or that is somewhat of an excuse. And, and the reason that I was so excited to get Taylor on. And up, uh, despite the fact that he's everything he said he is, is I could also see that Taylor's a man and Taylor is not going to have a problem calling somebody out and standing somebody up and probably even saying something like, like what is, what is that even supposed to mean, sir? Like, what are we talking about here? You know? Cause you're not going to, I mean, yeah, three and a half million dollars in a year. That's that's 300 grand a month. You're not closing three hundred thousand dollars a month by being weak. That ain't happening. Right. That is a right. lot of revenue. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I, I usually do that just for the sell a little sales thing here. Um, I usually do that in a confused way. I'd be like, "What, sir? What you said?" And then you know, so very softly, being able to call out the BS um, is also a good. Good little trick to have in your pocket.
1: So another stereotype,
0: you add pressure without adding yeah. pressure.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and and I want to talk about that for a minute because another stereotypical, um, attribute of empaths is that they'll be taken advantage of, right. You know, they hear a sob story. They believe the sob story. There's no filter, uh, because they get emotionally invested and drawn in. And so they, they just, pro- you know, they're handing out money. Like yeah, man. I know you're going to spend this twenty dollars on drugs, but man, do I feel bad for you right now? And boo. <laughs> and like you know, there's different opinions on that, and we're not going to get in that today. Um, but I do want to talk about you know how you guard yourself against being taken advantage of because there are people out there who will see that you're empathizing with them, and they'll they'll go deeper and deeper and deeper, and they'll try to get you drug into their mess to such a degree that now they're trying to sell you and, and like, oh man, I can't afford this. And like, can you give me a discount? And like, you know, my dog left me, my wife left me, they repoed my car. I'm singing a country song and like, here we go. You know, how do you guard yourself against, um, the manipulators?
0: And to be honest, I'm sure I've been fooled, uh, several times, but usually you, you can, you can see it, you can feel it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I have given discounts, uh, to make people feel better, but I, I man, it's, that's, that's, that's a, that's a hard, uh, hard question there. Uh, Nate, I'm really not sure. Um, it, I think it comes, it, Comes with it. I mean, if you're going to show empathy to people, you're going to have some manipulators and some not. Some are going to be great and some aren't going to be as good at manipulating. And I'm sure the ones that are great got me. (laughs) And the ones that aren't so good, um, you know, we did what we needed to do.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the guards that we can have against that is processes or systems that are put into place to help protect ourselves in those scenarios. You know, maybe like, you, you, you dialogue with your manager. Like if if you're starting to sense like, man, I don't know, this is feeling a little off. You dialogue with your manager, run the story by them, excuse yourself from the call or something like that, just to kind of bounce the ideas off of them. And, you know, because you start thinking illogically when you're in the moment like that and, and the person starts pulling on the right strings on your sweater and now all of a sudden you're unraveling. And so stepping out and, and allowing somebody who's not emotionally invested in the situation to speak into the scenario i think could be a good like safeguard uh for those types of things um and i want to i want to talk a little bit about like timelines here so you know taylor some people who are listening to the show might think well i mean this is easy for taylor the dude probably spends three hours on a typical sales call and he can get into all this stuff dude i got crap to do i got a family to feed i got calls to hit dispatch is all up in my ear telling me i got to hit the next call and all that stuff you know, the, does, uh, does Andrew give you just like carte blanche control of your schedule that you can just spend eight hours with anybody and hear their life story? Do you have time pressures and how does empathy fit into the timeline that is the actual schedule of the trades that we have to deal with?
0: Yeah, that that's, that's really good. I'd say to the ones that are like, man, I got a family to feed. I'd ask you what, is, what was your average ticket last year? Mine was 25,000. <laughs> so, you, you know, you spend. You spend more time with the customer, you're able to sell more stuff, Um, and you're spending more time with them, so you get to know them, and so all the empathetic things uh, come out as well. So uh, yes, I do have uh, a a good control over my schedule. Um, I, I even did an appointment once where I spent like two and a half, three hours with the wife, Husband didn't want to be a part of it. Husband comes home. Guess what? I had a yeah. restart. I was in there for seven hours. I kid you not. I was in there for seven hours. I got it. I got it. And it was a big one. But, um, but no, t- my typical sales process is around two hours, two and a half hours. And I stick to the process. You know, um, rarely, rarely is the empathetic part like take up 20 minutes. You know, usually it's during the process.
1: Um, And that's a great segue there, Taylor, because I wanted to ask you that next, which is, is, uh, you know, for an engineer like me, I'm trying to put this into a box. I'm trying to say, okay, you know, step one, knock on the door. Step two, introduce myself. Step three, demonstrate empathy. Step four, fix their stuff, right?
0: And and (laughs) it it doesn't work
1: that way. Um, So speak to us about like, you know, obviously we want to demonstrate empathy throughout the entirety of the call. But be real with me. Is there generally a time where empathy rises to a prioritized level of awareness in the call? And when is that? Like, is that in the first five minutes you need to just be overwhelmingly empathetic? Or is that when you're sitting down at the table or the couch to discuss with the client? Is that standing next to the unit when you're actually working on it? Or is it just level across the plane and you just always have to be on your game?
0: Yeah, it's usually usually at the table, and uh, typically also as it gets closer to the end. One, I think, because you're you're getting to know them more, but also the pressure, the tension, you know, because it kind of builds tension. The tension builds, and especially uh, if the pricing comes out and you see them just collapse, um, uh, that's 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 a telltale sign.
1: So, in those in those telltale signs, as you mentioned there. You have to be pretty quick on your feet um, because, you know, you're not sure how they're going to react when you present this information to them, whether it's a repair or a system replacement or, you know, hey, uh, the thing that you thought was functioning fine actually isn't functioning fine and it's not in a good state and all these things can occur. And you're not sure how they're going to receive that information. So how do you properly position yourself to be prepared for You know, a dozen different possible outcomes that the homeowner is going to feedback to you when you share your information. Like, are you are you on your guard? Is there a specific way that you're delivering the information? If it's really bad news, do you use a certain phrase if it's if it's sort of good news? Do you use like a baby negative followed by like some positive stuff before you drop the hammer? How how do you like prepare yourself for that conversation, which can go a number of different ways? Because that's where I think a lot of technicians get nervous.
0: In my process, I have a part, especially before we get to pricing. Sometimes in before I explain to them that what's happened over the past few years. You know, I talk about the systems are bigger, so it needs more trucks, it needs more gas. How the government made them redo everything, and so I'm already kind of telling the customer this is going to be a lot, and it's probably going to be more than what you expect. So I, I do prepare them um, in in that for that price, and I also repeatedly say, you know, everybody's going through this. Everyone. I'm almost, um, I'm almost in a position where I'm kind of like, man, I, I hate even showing you these prices because they're so expensive, you know, kind of thing. That's kind of like where my, where my head's at uh, before. So empathizing, man, that's just the perfect word for it. So yeah, setting them up to let them know prices have went up tremendously and everybody's going through this and it's terrible what's happened. And depending on uh, the customer, I'll, I'll blame the government a whole lot on that. too. And so
1: I think what you're talking about there, Taylor, is at least in my mind, I'm hearing you explain a scenario where the homeowner is prepared to engage in a conversation that's going to be frustrating from the start. Right. My unit's broken. The technician was out here. He told me I need to get a new one or that, I sh- you know, it's going to be super expensive to fix it. Right. So I need to look at my options. What about if you're running a sales call where there isn't a significant amount of pain, right? So maybe they're just maybe they're just a research guy and they're exploring their options so that they know what they should be saving for in the next five years and they can be fiscally responsible to make sure that they are prepared to have that money in advance of a problem occurring, or maybe the technician just said, "Hey, uh, you know, there's there's uh, new refrigerants and you know new e uh, you know." Uh, environmental EPA regulations and things like that and all that and and they're like oh i don't know i would like to learn more about this because you know maybe i am more oriented towards being uh on the latest trends of things, right? So more of the, the pleasure or the research oriented buyer who isn't necessarily experiencing significant pain right now. Is that a difficult place to empathize with because they you know, empathy is generally a tool that's associated with pain or can we also empathize with pleasure?
0: Um, man, that, that's another good question. I see why you're good at this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I try to, what i call expand the gap so i try to find the pain and if i can't find the pain i'll paint the pain so you know i'm not a technician but um just going in there and asking you know hey mr customer uh, i noticed this do you see this oh yeah 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 well do you know what happens when this continues and try to try to pull the pain out even if it's not happening to you now next year I mean, this thing could crap out on you in the middle of summer. Have you ever had to replace an air conditioner in the middle of the summer? Have you been in a home in the summer in Arizona where you don't have AC? Oh, man, I can tell you it's the worst thing ever. I have customers that do this every year. I'm talking to them just like I'm talking to you. And then the next year comes, they're paying twice as much, and they're in the middle of the summer. They've got to buy a hotel. And, and so I try to expand that gap um or, or that pain as much as possible.
1: Right. And, and there's a fine line there, you know, in terms of how you how you delicately step through that conversation, I'm sure. But I think to your point, a lot of homeowners, uh I was just training on this the other day. Uh, a lot of people are unawares to the solutions that we provide for problems that they have just grown used to. Right. And I use the illustration of imagine if uh, I developed a limp and, you know, for years I I lived with a limp and I lived with a limp and lived with a limp. And I went to the doctor for a a number of illnesses and and physical or two across the years. And at no time did the doctor ever ask me, what's up with the limp, man? And at no time did the doctor ever say, you should go see a podiatrist. Like they make arches that can actually fix this. And like the relief, the joy, the, the anger that would occur once that solution is provided to think back upon all the pain that I endured and all the frustration and agony that I had to go through that nobody ever took the time to ask and care enough about my foot, my experience and my pain to provide me with the proper solution. And so to your point, Taylor, I think there is almost always pain that exists in the homeowner's world. They are just so used to living with it that they they barely even recognize it as pain anymore because it has become a normalization in their life that they just are used to.
0: Yep, law of familiarity. Yep. No, that's 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 perfect, and that's that's what I was saying about painting it. You you can, I mean, there's so much stuff that we offer um, as, as HVAC plumbers. I mean, there's there's so much that can. Um, make the customer's life easier or healthier. I'm a huge health guy, so I get the air purification, even water purification as well. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think, I think a lot of customers are quite literally killing themselves by not knowing uh, the options that are available with the water, right? If you, if, you, if you understand how much chlorine and how much crap is in our water, you should be selling uh, water purification on every single home. Uh, water is disgusting cross this is an hvac tech ladies and gentlemen an
2: <laughs> hvac tech is outselling you plumbers <laughs> right now you should be ashamed
1: disgraced
2: hang your head go just go be an electrician
1: <laughs> <laughs> they would brian but they can't count that high so that won't work
0: oh man no they're also
2: too clean so
0: <laughs> yeah but i agree i agree with you nate i every customer uh, whether they know it or not there is yeah. pain i mean we don't live in a my home's not perfect you know there's a, there's always something whether it be health financial uh, there's always little buttons to push you just got to ask the right questions yeah. and again that that comes with empathizing right you, you want to just talk to this guy figure out his life and and those things will start coming out and you just press it as much as possible
1: well, Taylor, this has been a fantastic conversation, and obviously, empathy is something that we all need to be improving upon. And I think you did great merit to proving as to why that is valuable in the home, not only from a relationship uh, aspect with the client and the customer experience, and, and you know their their likability of of you as the technician of your company of of all the things that matter when it comes to the social presence and the reputation management all the thing all those things that you know that uh help us drive more business in the future but i think you've also done a good job at justifying the fact that by demonstrating high levels of empathy the money will follow and that is really the trick of it right and we talked a little bit about that earlier in the program but if you are focused on the money people will they will see the insincerity in your empathetic or sympathetic or pathetic lines of questioning and, and fake emotions, and they will not buy from you, or they will only buy from you to get rid of you, and, and then they'll never buy from you again. But if you start with the first thing in mind, which is the client experience, the con- the client solution, the, the, the client... Um, the things that you're going to solve for them, the positioning of, of your solutions to their questions and all these things, the money will follow that. And that's a hard thing for, for all of us to learn because especially, Brian, I know you've talked about that, especially in those slump scenarios. You get those dollar sign glasses on. And, you know, Brian, you actually even bought dollar sign glasses for people, and they can see it. They can see that you're wearing them because you're no longer talking about empathy from a position of strength. You're talking about sympathy from a position of desperation. Right. And that makes all the difference in the world. And the homeowners aren't fooled, and you're not fooling anybody else, and you're not going to make up any ground in terms of getting yourself out of that slump. So it's counterintuitive. To focus on the client, even in your moments of, boy, I really need a sale, but it is the higher and better and more consistent path to driving the sales that you actually want. Yes, indeed. Completely agree. Well, great stuff today, Taylor. If anybody who's listening has just really appreciated your words or they're looking to hear or learn more about your experience, or maybe they're even interested in learning more about some of the stories that you have to tell about how you've deployed empathy in your sales process, where's a great place to find you? Uh,
0: You can find me, I would say um, Instagram's probably the best, best way to find me. And it's at saint with two T's underscore ocho. Uh, O-C-H-O, so saint2ts underscore O-C-H-O. You can reach out to me there. Also, if you want to email me, it's just my name, taylor at iDesignAC.com.
1: And that's the letter I, right? That's correct. Just had to clarify that for brian because he started looking confused there for a second i thought it
2: was a little eye emoji <laughs> <right>? no,
0: no. <laughs> and uh but before we we depart or anything i, I do want to give a huge shout out to intelligent design here in tucson uh they are growing tremendously and this is a call for anyone who has who, who wants to be able to go into a home and empathize and and love on customers and that be the number one thing uh we're they're always looking for people uh like that so if anyone's out there who's got a kingdom mindset, man, intelligent design's your your place to go.
1: Really good, and uh, I know Andrew would back up that. And uh, actually, just tagged him on Facebook the other day, saying we need to get the sequel on. So, yeah. Brian, we need to get that hooked up and get him back on here because I know we have people out there who's selling out of their wallets right now, and it's it's not a good thing. Oh uh, yeah, and he's he's going to be on fire this year.
0: He's uh, he's got his mindset on ten million, and uh, he's going to hit it.
2: Himself. himself like yeah. he's gonna go out and sell 10 million himself
0: you, you yeah. see it in his eyes he's about to tear some stuff up so if y'all get him in you got him in a good <laughs> no. spot
1: because he, he's he's ready well we're awesome. already we're ready yeah. for more of you taylor appreciate you coming on and sharing with us today heck
2: yeah yeah buddy i heard heard you're uh making moves toward nashville and you're gonna go
1: uh gonna
2: potentially go work with chris hoffman which is gonna be awesome for you Yeah. Heard he runs a great operation, and uh, we're working on getting him on the
0: show as well. Heck yeah, man! Yep, that's that's the next move. Plan on doing that, and then hopefully one day own my own intelligent design with a kingdom mindset. So thank. you. Good for you, man! Thank you guys Absolutely. For having me on, man, it's truly, truly a pleasure and a blessing. And I love the the way we we took
1: this. That was that was really cool. So I appreciate y'all. Well hey, that's a wrap for this podcast. We hope that you enjoyed your time with Taylor and learning more about empathy. It is a deep subject and it has a lot more depth than even we covered in today's subject. But it is so such a, a rich mind uh, to be pursuing and something that I would encourage all of us to really be thinking about, especially as you know, sometimes I've gotten tighter in finances and prices and all of these things. There is no better time than right now to actually, sincerely, truly, devotedly, be pursuing the client in front of you more than you're pursuing the dollars that happen to be in their wallet and so great uh, great episode with taylor today make sure you let him know that you appreciate it make sure you to let us know that you appreciated us having him on and we'd sure love to hear your feedback on that it's time now to leave you with our weekly challenge which continues to remain the same to choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day